Excuse me, how long is the flight? We land in Valverde in exactly 11 hours. Thank you, and do me a favor. Don't disturb my friend, he's dead tired. Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I'm Ross Bacon, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you should know by now, movies, beer, podcast, whatever. Idiots <laughs> um, talking about <laughs> Idiots talking about movies, we're, we're morons, we talk about dumb shit and beard, whatever, it happens. But, so, last month we finished up our time capsules, and uh, that's, we were talking about action movies, horror movies, comedies from a certain decade, and now we're just going to focus on the action, and we're only going to be talking about, we're going to, only action movies. This, going, is a, this is the month Ross has been dreaming about for, like, ever since we started. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> We got some great ones coming up, and uh, we're just doing 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, because we only have uh, four uh, Thursdays in the month of July, so... Uh, oh, if you hear fireworks during this episode, we are recording on the 4th of July, so... Yeah, yeah, so if you hear stuff in the background, that's... Uh, just mind your business, it's fireworks, not gunshots. Yeah, who cares? Hopefully. Shut up. <laughs> we're in New Jersey, shut up. It could be either one. We're patriotic, and we hate each other. <laughs> but um so anyway so yeah so this week we're gonna be focusing on the 80s and uh I, I would say the decade for action and then uh we'll be discussing 1985's jackie chan masterpiece police story then we'll be talking about uh uh 1987's robocop and then uh also 1987's uh commando so it's funny because like we're hitting like three different genres of action we got our we got our martial arts movie with police story we have like our sci-fi futuristic type of action movie with robocop and then we just have our over-the-top explosions 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 witty one-liner action movie with commando right never saw commando that's the movie it's just explosion 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 witty one-liner movies over (laughs) all this yeah and i misspoke it's 1985's commando so uh it's police story robocop commando but as per usual we gotta talk about we're drinking first so mike what do you have so uh, I'm going with an American theme, and because a lot of people call America a melting pot, I don't know how well that analogy works, but I'm doing a snake bite, so I'm mixing two different kinds of beers today. One of yeah. which is Rosie's Red from Red, White, and Brew. Again, works with the American theme. Uh, I reviewed it before. It's an, it's an amber ale, 6%, and I am going with Lost Cosmonaut Cranberry Cider from Sir Charles Hard Cider which is a Philadelphia cidery. So, again, sticking with a mostly America theme, and uh, it also has a, though it is called Lost Cosmonauts, but that might be a Russian, I guess that's a Russia theme. The Cosmonaut is a Russian. Uh, yeah. But, Russian um, astronaut, yes. All right, let's see how the mix goes. How the, uh, the Philly John Cider mixes with the Rosie's Red. That's a... That's an interesting mix. I, it's not, I don't know. I don't know if it's an improvement or a deprovement on either of the originals. Like, I'm not a huge fan of the, like, I like Sir Charles a lot, but the cranberry cider wasn't my favorite from them. A little sour yeah. for my taste. And Rosie's Red was fine from Red, White, and Brew. I've reviewed both of them previously. And the mix is just fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> It's just fine, but uh, all right. So, 
Meister gonna snake bite for his American style snake bite. Meanwhile, my uh, Father's Day gift from June finally came because my wife got me. I think it's like three months of a beer subscription. So what they do is it's two different breweries from anywhere in the country will show up on my doorstep, giving me four different styles of beer. So these this first one is from uh, these well these that I'm drinking tonight are from Casey Beer Company, and that's in Kansas City, Missouri, and it. The one I'm choosing to drink is their um, Munich style brown lager, which is obviously it is, it's it's a dunkel, and uh, that is my favorite name for a beer, a dunkel, a dunkel, <laughs> and it's. Uh, I feel like that's all, I could that could be a name for a poo. Like I gotta go take a dunkel. <laughs> take a dunkel, but um, and it's also decocted, <laughs> which is apparently <laughs> some sort of process that you take when you uh when you brew beer but um that's like the beer equivalent of you know the thing that plugs into a laptop or like laptops only have a USB-C and you plug it in and you could get like an hdmi traditional usb those are called a dongle and i'm yeah. like why do we pick these names people <laughs> who knows i think it's just because they're fun to say yeah. but um so we're going to talk about um i'm drinking my munich dunkle and it's a um uh, it's a brown lager obviously and it's german style which Germany is kind of close to where uh, where my boy Arnold's from in Austria, so uh, it's very good. It's it's only five percent. It's one of those like dark beers. It's like really easy to just kind of chill and hang out with, and it's uh, it's good to go. So what I am doing is drinking that. Now we will get start off with 1985's Police Story, which stars Jackie Chan, is also directed by Jackie Chan, and. Um, he apparently also did the sequel to this, and then there are these movies called Project A, which he also did that in the sequel of. But um, it's kind of weird that he didn't do anything else, like really. It's re- so this movie, it like it's an interesting movie, and like the choreography is awesome in hand to hand fights, like easily the best hand to hand fight choreography among the three we will be talking about this week. Right, of course. But the most interesting thing about it is how Jackie Chan almost died from this movie. Yeah, numerous times, especially the one where at the end when he slides down yeah. the uh, the row of like the like the light pole, yes. and it was like instead of using what was it like the battery or something that was only supposed to light up, it wasn't powerful enough to light it up, so they yeah. just plugged it into the wall. Yeah. <laughs> like we're using the building power in the shopping mall. <laughs> so, like. Among the stunts he did for this movie, like he fell three stories onto concrete ground without a pate, without any sort of padding. Um, and then that that scene where he has to like they're gonna waste a ton of money if they don't get it right the first time. So he just sends it and just jumps, slides down the pole where he's getting electrocuted the whole way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they had to get it done that first time because yeah. it's one of those situations where they're filming during the mall's off hours. Yeah. And they had to clean up and they had to make sure everything was good to go for when the mall reopened again. And there was broken glass everywhere. There's all kinds of stunt things and going apparently on. Apparently, he was also shooting another movie. So they were just rushing <laughs> him to the other set so he could yeah. do that as well. And it was when he got apparently so in an interview he said he like took a nap on the car ride over because he was exhausted from shooting this movie and then when he woke up he tried to open the car door and he couldn't right he he was like that's when i realized i was just functioning off of pure adrenaline right and And that's um 
the injuries ended up being like he had second degree burns on his hands and he broke two vertebrae or something. Yeah. And if you happen to hear a toilet flush during that, that wasn't a very uh, perfectly timed punchline for Mike. That was uh, my daughter going to the potty. So <laughs> good job, sweetie. <laughs> good job. But, um, but yeah, so, I mean, she probably could have timed it better with a joke. That would have been great. Like yeah. an Al Bundy kind of joke. Just like, <laughs> like, but Al toilet flush. You know? <laughs> but, but yeah, and it's, it's, it's insane because just the, everything about this movie is like pure Hong Kong action. It is oh, just yeah. over the top insanity. But at the same time, there are two different parts of this movie that I was like, wait a minute. Were these directly ripped off? Now, Commando is a little more borderline because it's the same year. So it's tougher because this there's the big action sequence. One of the big, the well, the climactic action sequence in this movie takes place in a shopping mall. In Commando, one of the first action pieces takes place in a shopping mall. And Which I was I'll like, talk oh, okay. about that pretty extensively because that right. is two of my favorite moments in the whole movie. Right. And I was like, oh, okay, but there's that. But then I was thinking, oh, wait, in the beginning of this movie, they drive like, and like a truck, like a pick, like a car down through this, like these like shantytown favelas kind of thing. And that's just like the scene in Bad Boys 2. <laughs> it's almost exactly now, the same scene. Did you, so I'm assuming you watched it with like the English voiced over. Yeah. 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 That's how it was on YouTube, which is where I watched it. It's free on YouTube right now. <laughs> I rented it like a legal American citizen. Hey, I like. I, I'm going to I'm going to check the date it was uploaded because, like, at this with YouTube standards and stuff, I'm going to guess that it's been up for a while and no one, just everyone's like, oh, okay. And I'm, I'm willing to bet it's not one of those movies that people are like constantly trying to just re up to keep it up. Three there. years, it's been yeah. on YouTube for three years. So if anyone actually cared that it was on YouTube, it would be down by now. <laughs> for sure, it's probably Jackie Chan just leave, like keeping it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Jackie Chan seems like the type of guy to do that like he seemed he seems like a really cool dude he's sending cease and desist letters to the people trying to take it down yeah. <laughs> he's like people need to see this guy right which then, also the scene where he did the stunt i love that they put it in the movie three times from three different angles like went full michael bay with it because they're like all right jackie almost died from this this thing was awesome we got to make sure everyone sees it from every possible angle yeah they had, it had like from what i read it had like the most camera coverage of any scene ever in a movie because it, it was like six different cameras or something like that we're filming all at the same time it's kind of like in the room when tommy wiseau wanted to film in a digital camera and regular but like right next to each other yeah. <laughs> so some scenes are like slightly off depending on what camera footage he uses <laughs> but in this it's like purposeful you know yeah. it's, it's not just an idiot trying to make a movie it's a guy trying to do it right <laughs> but, yeah, um, I mean, like Jackie does a pretty good job of directing. Oh, he's great, but because it's such an action-heavy movie, and he's doing so many of the stunts. Like, well, he does all the stunts except one. I think there's one stunt that he didn't do. It's, everyone and, talks about Tom Cruise doing his own stuff. Jackie Chan does not get enough credit for the stunts he performs. Well, he did when he was in like Rush Hour and all that. Yeah. Like when it was the peak of America loving Jackie Chan, we were all about like, oh my God, he does it all himself, blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, and then Jackie Chan just kind of disappeared because he made Shanghai Noon and everyone was like, yeah, well, we don't care anymore, Jackie. We just don't care. <laughs> so that's when he kind of disappeared. And he's had like, I know he's had like a little bit of, um, 
he's had some interesting political opinions. I think uh, when he's when he's hanging out in China, he's got some uh, interesting political beliefs. Um, I can't remember what they are, but I know that people are like, wait. I'm sorry. Say again. <laughs> you you are Jackie Chan, right? You know the people that everyone, the guy everyone loves, <laughs> not whatever you have to be saying. About the political stuff. <laughs> it, I don't. I can't remember what it is and or what side he falls on, but I just know it's people are like it's like eyebrow raising. It's like really? Oh, okay. <laughs> I think that's. It. I guess that's a way to go. <laughs> but every time we bring up Jackie Chan, I have to bring up his. Uh, he had a cartoon where he voiced himself in the early 2000s and basically it was like a kung fu cartoon like a martial arts cartoon where they were searching for different mystical items and he had a crazy uncle in it and the niece he was watching and there were dragons and it was awesome it was one of my favorite parts of like saturday morning cartoons (laughs) nice it was probably on like the opposite end of the scale of when pamela anderson had her own cartoon stripperella (laughs) (laughs) yes whereas that's like unwatchable i'm sure Jackie Chan's was like fairly good, but oh yeah, no Jackie Chan's cartoon. I'm looking for it on IMDb to see if they have a rating. I mean, it's if it was, it's one of those things where like because I know at some point I think Kiss had their own cartoon as well, and yeah. it's like everybody at some point had their own cartoon, and it's just like Rambo had its own cartoon, and Jackie Chan still... Adventures uh, ran for 95 episodes and has a 7.4 rating on IMDb. Yeah, so it was probably fine. But it was like, you know, Rambo had its own thing. And, of course, there's like every, like Bill and Ted briefly. Ghostbusters like had theirs. Obviously, theirs was much more well-received. But yeah. everybody at some point had some sort of cartoon in the 90s or early 2000s. It just had to happen. And yeah, this cartoon started in 2000. Yeah, so. But with his movies, and it is it is funny because, you know, obviously the thing that Jackie Chan always gets is the fact that he does his own stunts. That's all him. and obviously he and Tom Cruise at this point should definitely have their own category at the Oscars. Like it just like, it should be like the Tom Cruise, Jackie Chan. (laughs) It's the Tom Cruise, Jackie Chan psychopath award. You know, it's like for the craziest stunt man or whatever. My ego wouldn't allow someone else to do this life threatening stunt. (laughs) Right. And that's just like Tom, like with Tom Cruise at this point, I think it's because he just turned 60 years old yesterday and he's still doing all his own stunts he's still doing maverick he's still doing mission impossible it's all still him and so when you think about it, you're like oh he's basically like this is either a death wish like where he's trying to die on camera in the craziest way possible or it is like an ego thing like he just doesn't trust anybody else to get it right which for him though it is like authenticity like he doesn't want somebody to go hey that's a stunt double you know he doesn't want to see that jackie chan on the other hand most of the time is the only one who could do it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's he because like again before he was like an actor and a apparently a singer. <laughs> I've never listened to his music. End credit song. He sings the end credit song. <laughs> he does. <laughs> yep, that is him singing the end credit song. Um, <laughs> but apparently he's has like multiple gold albums. <laughs> I'm sure he does. I mean, I'm sure because the kind of music is like that kind where like you put it on like a lounge bar, like in yeah. China. I'm sure people would be like, hey, this is great. And he's probably just making money off of that. And they're just he's selling money uh, albums because he's Jackie Chan, you know. <laughs> but before he was an actor and a musician, he was a he started off as like being extras in Bruce Lee movies doing he's- martial arts. He's an actor in Enter the Dragon. Yeah, and, uh, which apparently Bruce Lee accidentally punched him in the face in that. <laughs> and, like, knocked him out. 
I mean, if anybody's going to knock you out on camera, it's going to be Bruce Lee. (laughs) So apparently Bruce Lee was a very nice guy and he's like Jackie Chan's hero. And like Jackie apparently was like milking it because like Bruce Lee was holding his head like, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm sure. Sitting there like Bruce Lee's holding me. (laughs) How long can I make this last? (laughs) This will be amazing. But like, but regarding the. Like the actual movie itself, like the yeah. story of this movie, the story of this movie is essentially it's it's weird because it's like, for the most part, it's a combination of like the rogue plays by his own rules cop, plus the cop framed by criminal trope, yeah. you know, and he has to clear his name like it's cop has to clear his name. But the craziest thing is. This is supposed to take place in the United States. <laughs> it's supposed to be in Amer- in the United States because, and the funniest part is, there is no mention of that really anywhere. Yeah. Nobody in the movie is American at all. Everything is filmed in China and Hong Kong. And the best part and is... the original language it was filmed in was Chinese. Right. The best part is... Jackie Chan, for one, named it police story, so it would be just generic enough to pass because everyone's expecting like some sort of dragon or something because it was a Hong Kong action movie. They're expecting to be like Bruce Lee or martial arts or whatever. So he just called it police story. That's it. It's all it is. There's police and it's a story. There you go. And then one of my favorite parts is when there is the uh, Jackie Chan, it's right after the bus stunt, which is one of the best stunts because it was accidental. Yeah. Uh, when the when Jackie Chan's standing in front of the bus and this two double-decker bus comes screeching to a halt in front of him, the, um, the, the stunt performers were up on the second level. And they were supposed to just kind of come out and I think hang on to the edge of the, of the, of the window, but they all fell out the window and like landed on the street, like just kind of like they were thrown out of the, of the bus, like ragdolls. And Jackie's like standing right there and like they'd land next to him. He's just kind of like, okay, look, I can't react because they'll ruin the take. But them like writhing on the ground is them actually being in pain. <laughs> so then he goes inside and he confronts the boss and. Um, the guy offers him a bribe and he opens a suitcase and it's full of American money. <laughs> and at this point, I was like, wait, is this supposed to be an American bribe in Hong Kong? <laughs> because I don't think that would work. <laughs> but then I realized, holy shit, this is supposed to take place in the United States. <laughs> so then the question becomes, what was that like? Cuban, Puerto Rican flavella, like Brazilian flavella that they drive right before this. Where was yeah. that supposed to be in the United States? <laughs> yeah. This movie, There's no like, geographic location given in this movie. <laughs> by the time this movie, like I was on this movie, I was like, I don't really care that much about the story anymore. Just show me. I want more Kung Fu. I want more hand-to-hand martial arts going on because that's what this movie excels at. Like... <laughs> I was the opposite, though. I kind of wanted more of the story because as more of it got revealed, I was getting more and more involved in these stock, like, American cop films, like, uh, characters, like the stereotypical characters, like the hard-edged chief who's just fed up with the road cop. For some reason, him being played by, like, a nerdy Chinese guy made it absolutely hilarious to me (laughs) because I'm picturing, like, the grizzled black guys, you know, like, they're always seem to be, like, the grizzled old had it, like, Danny Glover-style black guy who's just too old for this shit, and I'm thinking specifically in Beverly Hills Cop, the chief in that, 
where he says, they just got done chewing out my ass. You can see I got none of it left. I'm picturing this nerdy Chinese guy trying to pull that line off the Jackie Chan, and it's just making me laugh even more as I'm watching this movie. I mean, when you really think about this, this movie is very similar to the other guys. It is. It absolutely is. And then, of course, there's the part, there there is the part that's a very other guy's kind of part where Jackie Chan is he's supposed to be protecting this witness who's supposed to rat on the big boss man and all the the big gang boss. So he's protecting this woman. She doesn't want him to be anywhere near him, like near her. So she's like, keep making him stay outside the apartment and like stay outside and all this stuff. Well, he calls one of his cop buddies and has him come over and pretend to be like, like like a knife wielding maniac and like break into her apartment so he can break in and save her life. And that that happens, I'm like, wait a minute, new, uh, this is like a new spin on the trope of like, getting someone to put a girl's life in danger so you can save her. It's it's hilarious because she's like full on fighting back and she knocks the guy out at one point and Jackie just has to like pretend like he's like, oh yeah, I know you got him. It's fine. And the, one of the best parts after that is they, when they drive away, they escape. They come across the actual gang trying to kill her. And there's like this great fight scene. They're in and out of this car and it's fighting. The car's getting jacked up and messed up the whole time. And then, of course, our hero Jackie wins and they drive away. And then, like, it's this weird smash cut to them on the highway. And it's kind of like a slow pullback from the, from the windshield to reveal the extent of the damage on the car that they are driving down the highway. And it's like Tommy boy (laughs) after the deer. It's absolutely no one, they don't mention it. There's, it's just a slow, like sight gag that happens. And it's, it's a great gag. And it's a grip, like amazingly well set up. And it's like, well, Jackie, Jackie's a funny guy too. Like he knows jokes. Like this guy, he ended up like his biggest hit movies in the U S were action comedies. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Which ironically enough, were the comedy part was coming from the other guy, which yeah. was Chris Tucker, you know? So of course it's going to be him, but Jackie's still funny in those movies. But in this, it's like, that's such a great sight gag of them driving this beat up piece of shit down the highway. You know, There's like no windshield, the roof's coming off. There's no doors. <laughs> it's just amazing. That's yeah. This movie was, it was a fun watch through. I don't have a ton more to say about it. Like hand to hand was awesome. The police story took a lot of, uh, like, kind of generic parts, but put them together in a not super generic way. And the stunts were awesome, and Jackie Chan risked his life to get those stunts in. Yeah, there are there are two other things I need to specifically mention about this, other than the fact that Jackie Chan sang the final end credit song, which yeah. is hilarious, because we got some great end credit songs between this and Commando. Um but the other thing was there's the sequence where he's in the police station and he's taking the phone calls and he's, there's like five different phone calls set up on five different desks, five different phones set up on five different desks. They're all corded because obviously it's 1985. So he starts on one and he's trying to have a conversation on that. He goes to the other one. He's trying to have a conversation, bounce back and forth. And all of a sudden it turns out he's like tangled up in the wires of the phone. And he's just like, He's kicking pencils off the desk that catch him in his hand to write stuff down. It's a really great piece of like Jackie Chan choreography. Yeah. And then right after that, he makes a bowl of ramen, has no chopsticks. So he has to eat them with two pencils and he eats the erasers off the end of the pencils and pulls one of those like notices. They're gone is chewing. And then he does like one of those 
all right, I'm just going with this and just keeps eating the noodles. Kind of like, I guess they're in me now. So what's it matter? You know? <laughs> and then the other thing was when they are, um, the girl is now, she's like gotten away from him and she's been hiding out in her own. And uh, she thinks she's safe with the boss man protecting her and all that. And then ultimately comes the part where they're going to try to kill her again. Jackie goes and saves her life and they, they break out of this apartment and they're up on like the second level of houses and they have to jump down into this pool, which at first that looks like it's only in like the next backyard. So it looks like it's an even jump. So Jackie, what he does is essentially like grabs her and chucks this woman off the edge of the thing. And then you see the distance that she falls and it's a good hundred feet. <laughs> she is falling for a while and i was like i'm looking i'm like holy shit jackie you got some good distance on her (laughs) (laughs) that's if only jackie chan was there and the other guys to throw the rock and (laughs) oh my god he's flying you know he ain't for the bushes (laughs) yeah they would he would actually hit the bushes but um my favorite line in this movie and it specifically comes from the english voiceover because like you get when it's live action voiceover, it becomes way funnier because yeah. it's way harder to sync up mouth movement with live yeah. action than it is animation. But I love when she's like, when he's trying to tell, he's like, you know what happened to the last person who didn't have the last witness who didn't have protection? She's like, what did they get shot or something? Like, come on, now, I'm not afraid. Tell me. He's like, uh, nothing happened to them, they're all fine, but something could happen, something could have happened to them, yeah. <laughs> Oh, and, then, and then speaking of voiceover gags, also during the phone scene, one of the people that calls is this woman who said that she was raped, and it turns out she was raped a year ago. <laughs> so it's like, wait, it's like, is that the one instance where a rape joke is funny? <laughs> you know, because he's kind of like, wait, oh, he's like, okay, were you raped today? She's like, no, it's happened a year ago. And he's like, wait. What? <laughs> Why didn't you call the police then? And then the last phone call he gets is when he's all tangled up, he picks it up and it's just the phone company. And they're like, phone company, just testing the line. He's <laughs> like, just get this look like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> but it's, it's, I didn't expect, I didn't expect it to be like as funny as it yeah, was. Yeah. But at the same time, when we're dealing with 80s action movies, the body count in this movie is significantly low it's very low oh, yeah, it's just yeah. a lot that of people get beat I up noticed, especially when compared to the next two movies we talked yeah about. the next two movies which i believe are directly referenced in hot shots part two when they get to that one scene where the topper's just firing like crazy and killing everybody but robocop definitely is but um all right so that's enough for police story mike how's your snake butt i'm gonna be honest it's it's a drag to get through. I'm not Uh-oh. loving this mixture. Uh-oh. Cranberry That's, no good? I'm fighting through it, but I I enjoyed Rosie's Red Amber from Red, White, and Brew, and I wasn't a huge fan of Lost Cosmonaut Cranberry from uh, Sir Charles, but the, the mixture I've decided is worse than either individually. Nice. Nice. All right. So... Yeah, my KC Beer Company, and that's beer with an I. And I know their their little slogan is putting the I back in beer. But um, because I got a little newsletter with my beers, and I was reading about that. It's one of those newsletters that it's kind of like it's it's pretentious as hell. Like it's it's the reason why people are like craft beer drinkers are fucking assholes yeah. because everything about it is like 
up your own ass twice about yeah. how the brewing process is and all that and like what the notes and shit are i'm like come on man you're not helping here <laughs> just be like i wanted to make better beer than budweiser in kansas city missouri so this is what i did i created a brewery and i got some old german recipes and i made them like that you know <laughs> not none of these toasted notes and blah 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 which yes the tastes are there but you can just be like, I wanted to make a good German lager, and I did. How about that, fuckers? Drink it. <laughs> <laughs> How about that, fuckers? Drink it. Minerals that's going to be. That's going to be. <laughs> right when How about the that, real drink. Right when the real Ross Brewing uh, opens up by me, it's going to be. Here's a beer, fuckers. Drink it. That's what. That's what they're all going to be called. Here's a beer, fuckers. Drink it. <laughs> <laughs> they just going to be different names. Here's an IPA, fuckers. Drink it. Right. Here's a lager, fuckers. Drink it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, here's a insert beer, fuckers drinking. That's all it's going to be. But um, all right. So until that time that we got to talk about RoboCop. So 87, RoboCop, directed by one of the greatest directors of all time, Paul Verhoeven. Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Showgirl, Starship Troopers, Hollow Man. And the new movie, uh, his newest movie, I think is called Benedetta, which apparently is supposed to be really good, too. I just haven't gotten around to saying it. Um, this dude does action satire like subtle it's not subtle but it's satire and action like better than anybody and he obviously with basic instinct and showgirls he also did like the sexual like thriller like erotic thriller type as well like but also satirized as well (laughs) showgirls that's the movie that bombed with uh what's her name from saved by the bell right you mean elizabeth berkeley our greatest living actor yes (laughs) jesse spano she's so excited she's so excited she's so scared but um but yeah yeah so yeah and showgirls from a certain extent you can either look at it as the greatest one of the greatest bad movies ever made or just one of the most hilariously incompetent movies ever made but it's not for the directing it's it's for the everything else you know and i think joe esterhouse the writer of basic instinct that was one of his like coke fueled scripts kind of thing like like i've had just too much coke i was for basic instinct i was on the right amount of coke i've had too much coke and now i get showgirls <laughs> but with robocop though we're looking at and i quote near future detroit we can just say Detroit at this point. <laughs> <laughs> this and uh, this and the crow near future Detroit. Just but Detroit by now. Near future Detroit, but I'm pretty sure when they look in the like when there's a newspaper in the police station, it says like 1987 on it. Yeah, yeah, it's got the current year. <laughs> near future meaning next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this as in very Detroit tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, as in very very near future. <laughs> So much so, it's just around the corner. But um, this movie, though, we have we welcome back Nancy Allen, and uh, she comes back, and uh, we she also plays get uh, Red Foreman. Yep, yep. Kurtwood Smith is there in one of his best roles. Like he is so great as um, was it Clarence? This is a uh, character in this, and uh, I'm trying to pull it up real quick because Nancy Allen plays, I think, Lewis is her name. Uh, yeah, and Lewis, and then um. Uh, uh, uh Smith is Clarence Boddicker, yeah, and um, then of course there's Miguel Ferrer, R.I.P. Miguel Ferrer. He's uh, we talked about him briefly with the Mulan when we talked about Mulan in our Disney episode because he's um the villain in that. And he's also he's like war. It's fantastic in Hot Shots Part Two. He's just he's just such a great actor. He's always 
He was always so good in everything, but in this, he's like the perfect 80s businessman scumbag. And he's he's just so good at it. Well, so good this at movie it. doesn't happen if what's his name at the start when they're demonstrating the fully robotic police system, if he just grabs onto that motherfucker and doesn't let go when he's about to die, they both die. Like this was that was not a good plan on his part. Because like that's he purposely had the thing kill him, right? <laughs> like he says it's well, just a glitch. Well, no, he he says he basically just takes advantage of the issue, like the like the problem that happens. Like Ed two hundred nine glitches out and completely Swiss cheeses that guy. Yeah, and then at that point, it just so happens that Miguel's like no, Ferris' um character. Oh fuck, is uh, Morton? His character is just like we're taking advantage. We're jumping in. He was able to see that. He was like you know because he's a cutthroat eighties businessman. Doesn't give a shit about a, a human being being dead. His coworker laying in a pool of flesh and blood next to him. You know, and Which as in this movie, the practical effects on gun gore is insane. This movie has three of the best deaths in movie history, especially action movie history. Number one being Murphy when he dies the first time. That is the most brutal death I've ever seen on screen. And it's played so realistically from acting to makeup to everything. Like you feel, you almost feel Murphy getting murdered like this. Number He's two, just like getting his limbs blown off. And- yeah, his hand is gone, all that shit. But he's just cut to ribbons too, like yeah. almost in half too. But the next one is obviously this guy, the random executive that gets destroyed by the N two hundred nine. And then the third one is when, um, when ah fuck, what's his name? God damn it. I mean, I should really have these up. That would be the professional thing, Mike. And then uh, when when Emil gets hit with the weight, toxic waste, gets melted, is like screaming to die and gets plowed by the car that Kurt Smith is driving. And he just completely explodes. Those are like three of the best deaths ever in an action movie. And they're all in this movie. <laughs> it's, it's just That's, phenomenal. And then you get one of the worst looking deaths in an action movie when dickhead executive gets thrown out a window and he turns into a wacky waving inflatable arm wailing two men. <laughs> Yeah, with 1987's like lowest budget special effects for falling. <laughs> it was apparently Die Hard hadn't uh, nobody had seen that, gotten to the, those tech that technology yet. But yeah. um, his arms became three times like he looked like Freddy Krueger when he just extends his arms. <laughs> yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And uh, um, with some of the effects, <laughs> movie, like I like I look at them now and go like, hey, that's like a charming practical effect, especially with the uh, I forget what the full robots called Ed two hundred nine Ed two hundred nine with Ed two hundred nine like the way it moved and stuff when they were actually like like you could tell someone was like they were doing like stop motion and someone was like moving the legs. You mean, the, did you also enjoy how it like roars like a baby dinosaur when it falls yeah. over too? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a robot. Apparently they didn't have Alan Tudyk to do that. Right. They didn't have Alan Tudyk. They didn't consult Jaws for, you know, <laughs> to get the roaring shark. <laughs> my all-time favorite movie fact is that the top quote from jaws 4 is shark roars roar yep god it's it's so good but then like aside from those like clearly dated effect well that dated effect the makeup is the practical effects are amazing oh yeah but just yeah, the, the uh, like, like the gore in it is awesome it's awesome and then there's like the first person 
uh, robot camera shots of um, Murphy as RoboCop when he's like waking up and he's in like in his like build mode when they're putting him together and all that. And like like his screen pops up and you it see what looks these people like are I'm playing a Nintendo 64 video game. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it's but it's like it, you feel you almost feel like you're looking through the eyes of a robot. You're yeah. like, oh, this is really good because they even got like a little bit of the fish eye going. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, this, this is just good directing right here. And the thing is, though, those doctors, when they bring in Murphy's remains, I'll call them because he is full on fucked when he dies. Yeah. He's oh, dead yeah. three times over by the time he gets to them. There is nothing that they are doing in that hospital. They should have just called um, Omnicorp or whatever it is and just been like, you know what? Guess what? We got him. Just come pick up what's left and you can throw him in your robot body, you know? Because we can't do shit here. Yeah. <laughs> He's missing every limb. He's got a giant hole in his head. He's absolutely dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it almost reminds me of like the South Park doctor where they where they fake Butter's death and they like actually put a pig in Butter Butter's clothes and throw him off the thing and like you see the pig the pig like explodes you see his spine and the doctor just walks up and takes his pulse and he's like he didn't make it right exactly yeah it's it's ridiculous but then of course you know some of the the great lines that they have in us of course dead or alive you're coming with me um and then i'd buy that for a dollar that guy that that wonderful whatever that show is or that commercial that series of commercials i want to know i want like a full at least a full pilot episode of whatever that show is i want to are hoping to come up with that and i want to say it just because i want to know like how that became the punchline <laughs> like the i'd buy that for a dollar i want to know how that became the catchphrase That's, and my i think my favorite line in this movie is when he goes is when he's like trying to take the old man hostage and he just goes you're fired he's like thank you <laughs> but, yeah the uh the guy that gets me every time is uh, who's the guy that laughs like a hyena? He laughs like he's the dumb hyena from Lion King. Yeah, he's um he's one of the he's one of the gang members, and that act that character's name is um uh, Johnson. Johnson. Is it Johnson? No, that's not Johnson. Is it Joe Cox? I can't remember because he looks no. I'm pretty sure it's Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's Johnson because he looks so much different in his IMDb picture than he does in the movie. But um, yeah, because then there's uh, Ray Wise who is um, Laura Palmer's dad on Twin Peaks. He's one of the other randos in that crew. Um, because Robert Doakey is uh, the sergeant uh, in the police station, which there is that weird um that weird like storyline of the cops possibly going on strike too. Like it's, it's, it's just kind of running in the background of the movie yeah. and it's brought up a couple times. And every time somebody like shouts down the guy that tries to mention it, you know, it's like, it's like, okay, but I feel like if you put this in here, you could probably use the RoboCop thing more, you know, because the cops want to go on strike. So that's why you push RoboCop a little more, but it's there. There's little things like, um, like RoboCop shooting you in the dick. He'll shoot you in the dick. He doesn't give a fuck. Oh, yeah. And then there's my favorite part. There is the hostage situation. When they had that, like, business executive, and he's, he's on the phone with the hostage, like, negotiators. And he's talking about how he wants a car to get away. And then he's talking about how he wants, like, 
specific options on the car. <laughs> he wants like traction control or like power steering or something. He's like, you want power windows on it? And like they keep going. I'm like, was this like an ad lib because they needed to like draw out the scene a little bit because this is phenomenal. <laughs> like, cause he wants cruise control, I think as well. <laughs> It's like it's Detroit. Why? How are we going to use cruise control? <laughs> That's again, like this. Like, the best thing about this movie is the practical gore, and I do like Red Foreman in it. Like Red Foreman is yeah, Carlos like, Smith's great slime ball in it, and he plays it so well. He's so yeah, bitches leave. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's he's so good, well, especially when he spits the blood onto like his arrest sheet. You know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He just spits the blood. He's like, I need my phone call. <laughs> but um, also, wait, what the fuck is that port that RoboCop has? Why do why do ports become like a giant spike thing that he sticks into? <laughs> it's near future Detroit, Mike. We don't know about the technology that they'll have in a couple weeks. <laughs> so yeah, it's. I mean, as we all know, the predecessor to USB ports was just a giant spike set up to be a middle finger on a, a robot hand. Yeah. And that you just kind of jammed it in the computer and that could fix everything. It's kind of like R2-D2's dick, you know, where he everything comes out of R2-D2's dick. He can break in anything he wants. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it, it does appear that Joe Cox is the guy who sounds like a hyena laughing. Yeah, yeah. And then um, there's that uh, just a little like Verhoeven's little like shots at like American consumerism too with the yeah. car, like the newest car is the 6,000 SUX, you know, the 6,000 sucks and American tradition. It gets 8.2 miles per gallon. It's a sedan. <laughs> that is God awful, especially for a sedan. <laughs> yeah, it's like an old school Escalade. <laughs> and what would have made it better is because it's the eighties. If it was a Woody wagon. <laughs> Yeah, that would have been even funnier. But that's, like, but it's not like, I want to know what they're, the whole near future thing. It's so, because the only thing that's near future is really the robotic police enforcement. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and well, it's not too far off, but the fact that like um, Omnicorp is, yeah. They're, they're the, they own everything. Like they're, they own, they're like the Amazon of the time, you know, or the Apple. They're Vault the International. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, oh, and speaking of that, like the more I keep hearing about this season of The Boys, I might just skip watching the rest of season two and be like, you know what? I'm just going to jump to three. Oh, season <laughs> three is insane. I right. love it. <laughs> right. I mean, all I know is that like, I remember, I remember, because I remember like not liking the Stormfront character and being like, I don't need this. And then being like, all right, I'm done. But then I realized that she's not in this season, this season. Like something happens there or whatever at the end of the second season. I was like, as long as she's not in it, I might jump back in and just be like, fuck it. <laughs> I don't care. I'm going to jump back in. Who cares? She's also totally changed from uh, what she is in the comics, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> right. And I was like, yeah, I, was like, yeah, I might do that. But yeah. Do you know what would have solved all the issues in RoboCop with like the high crime rate and everything? Charles Bronson moving to Detroit in the 70s. If Charles Damn Bronson right. moved to Detroit in the 70s, none of this happens. Damn right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. In this movie, crime is everywhere. And it is since it is Detroit, that's just kind of how it is. But I think New York in the 80s, if, if it's Charles Bronson's New York, say in the 70s, in the 70s at least, 
it might still have more crime than Detroit because based off of Death Wish, New York, every human being in the entire city was a criminal. (laughs) At least in this Detroit, there are some non-criminal characters. (laughs) Now, because The Crow takes place in near-future Detroit, and this takes place in near-future Detroit, there's a real scenario where RoboCop tries to bring in The Crow dead or alive. I mean... He'd he'd be trying, <laughs> and potentially he'd be right both ways. But it's yeah. I mean, I I really think Eric Draven might just be able to keep getting out of jail. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of he becomes <laughs> RoboCop ends up just getting exasperated. He's like, "This fucker got out again. Come on." I'm sick of this. I'm overriding my prime directive. <laughs> Fuck Eric Draven. He can do what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's what RoboCop is. The third, no, the fourth character. No, I think we're hitting all of the Mortal Kombat uh, guest characters because RoboCop is a guest character in Eleven. So I'm like running through it. I'm like, we've talked about Alien, we've yep. talked about Leatherface, we've talked about Predator. Mike Myers, we've talked mm-hmm. about uh, Predator, Freddy. we've talked about Terminator, we talked about Rambo, we've yeah, Freddy Krueger's one, Joker, yeah. Yeah, and then RoboCop. Yeah, he is the last Spawn, one. Spawn's one of the only ones we haven't, like, we mentioned him, but we haven't actually talked about a Spawn movie. Oh, we talked, I was going to say, we talked about Spawn when we talked about The Crow, because we talked about edgy 90s comics. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no, I, if we ever end up watching that Spawn movie for this, <laughs> I mean, yikes. <laughs> Just yikes. <laughs> but, yeah, but I mean, bottom line, like, with this movie, RoboCop, it's, it's funny because, of the four RoboCop movies, the three, the two with Peter Weller, um, the two good ones, essentially. Um, the second one, 2014. The, I haven't seen the 2000. I have. It's boring. It sucks. It's with Joel Kinnaman, aka Rick Flag, and it's uh because it was during that six month period where we thought he was going to be famous. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so it's not. It's boring. It's not good. All the satire is gone from it. There's no. It's it's one of those like modern cash in remakes. Like we want money off the name, but we don't. We've never seen the original to understand what we should be redoing. You know, so all of the winks and nods to and satire of American consumer culture is all gone. The craziness of like police departments and like being overrunning, having to resort corporations owning them and all that. That's none of that's there. It's just like corporation makes cop. Everybody's cool with it, I guess. You know, he's boring. Like, do you think Rollerball exists in this near future, or do you think we still just have the boring-ass lions? <laughs> well, that's the thing. They probably do still have the lions. <laughs> but I would, I'd be willing to bet that ro- that Rollerball is, like, right around the corner. It's like it's like just past RoboCop 3, you know? <laughs> now, like, when they talk near future, are they talking, like, Barry Sanders lions? Uh, the dark period between Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson? Or the dark period after Calvin Johnson? Or just the dark period after Barry Sanders. <laughs> <'Cause>... <laughs> or just, you know, it, it just... There's been no good for the Lions, really. <laughs> yeah. yeah the really, Lions... I'm trying to think of a bright spot in Lions history, and I think the brightest spot is Matthew Stafford winning a Super Bowl with the Rams. <laughs> right. Yeah, it would it would be people being Lions fans and then realizing that RoboCop was, like, roaming the streets, so maybe they'd be able to safely leave a lions game <laughs> you know but other than that there's no hope you know because it's detroit not even the tigers were good at the time you know and the red, the red wings, wings. The, they had the red wings, the red wings were fine 
<laughs> yeah, I think the thing the Red Wings would have been all right. The Pistons were good at the time, you know, they were worth it. But yeah. um, yeah, you just couldn't be a football a football or baseball fan. You just that wasn't going to happen in the RoboCop world. But um, but yeah, but like RoboCop Two is great because the the big criminal is a kid. <laughs> you know, he's like a little kid. He's actually the surf, but he's the surfing kid. I think he's the surfing kid from Point Break. The one that says surfing's a source, it'll change your life, like that kind of thing. Um, I'm pretty sure it's that kid. I can't remember though, and I'm not gonna be bothered to look it up. But Robocop 3 is a different Robocop. Peter Weller didn't come back for Robocop 3. So that right there, and it's that one's like Robocop's like a weird pinkish purple color, too. It's a very odd, you know, metal that he's made out of. It's just a dumbass movie, but and of course the remake is terrible, but yeah, this so Robo-Cop it's cop is made from myrrh. <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah, but and that's the thing. Like, how much does RoboCop weigh? Because he gets in that Ford Taurus and speeds off. There is no way that Ford, that Taurus is going to be able to handle however many like, tons he weighs. Very so. light carbon metal, right? It's carbon fiber. That's all it is. <laughs> but um, yeah, in the eighties, where uh, they barely even know what that was. But um, but yeah, so I mean, RoboCop. It's it's one of those. It's also one of those like movies where you go. Name an action movie from the 80s. Ro- Robocop. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely up there. Like, you, someone might say, like, Terminator. Though I'd argue Terminator 1 isn't an action movie. Yeah, it's a horror movie. Yeah, it's like Predator. Uh, Rambo. Uh, no, Rambo 2. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's a Robocop. First thing that comes out. And it's it's one of those ones that, like, even though, like, Commando is basically a Rambo and, you know, Die Hard is essentially, you know, a lethal weapon type and all that. And they're, they're all very similar stuff. Robocop. No one else tried to do a Robocop. You know, it's, it's its own being, you know, it lives on its own and it dies on its own essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of something, but I'm drawing a blank on like kind of post Robocop movies. There's nothing there. It's, there really is no other Robocop, you know, there's, universal soldier in the 90s but that wasn't a robot man (laughs) you know (laughs) there's but yeah it's it's one of the few that just kind of like stands by itself and it's it still holds up like there's no there's nothing in it where you go well that's not good that doesn't hold up yeah no you watch this you're going huh maybe they were right about the near future if anything it's like hey they got some shit right you know so anyway that was robocop so i'm like how's your beer it's doing all right. I'm about halfway done my mixture. Again, not loving the mixture. The red ale and or the red amber ale and the cranberry don't mix that well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, cranberry is kind of like its its own taste. Yeah. It has to be by itself, you know. Yeah. But um. Yeah, I wish I just had like their strawberry or just a regular apple cider to make the snake bite with. Nice. Yeah. And my um, KC Beer Company, Dunkel, is uh, very good. It's delicious. It is. I'm, I'm glad they included it in my little uh, beer of the month uh, uh, box, I guess, or my subscription service, whatever. Now, but, all right. So, time for Commando, or as I like to, to call it, literally the essence of action movies. <laughs> 1985's Commando, yeah, directed by Mark Lester. He's a fire starter and a whole lot of garbage on straight to video. But, um, yep, this um, this is great. This is a phenomenal movie. Listen, and there, will... there is one bad thing I will say about Commando, and it's Arnold's one-liners. 
almost certainly inspired them to cast Arnold as Mr. Freeze and gave him the one-liners. I'm still waiting for you to say the bad part, Mike. <laughs> Mr. Freeze at, from Batman and Robin exists. And I think you I think you think you're saying something bad there, but you're not. <laughs> I mean <laughs> What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. Don't bother my friend. He's dead tired. <laughs> now I love the one liners in this movie. The bad thing is they inspired the one liners in Batman and Robin. Well, they they inspired every one liner, you know, because this is I let him go. <laughs> Yeah, this is before Predator. This is before T2. This is before every action movie after this because the the age of the one-liner action hero came after this movie. And this is the reason why. And Arnold's the rest of Arnold's action movie career is this movie. Running Man is this movie, but in the future with a game show. <laughs> That's all it really is. And I look you're a funny guy, Sully. I like you. That's why I'm going to kill you last. <laughs> hey, remember when you said you were going to kill me last? Yeah, I lied. <laughs> I lied. But um, yeah, and it's there. It's and it even starts off like with a guy that's not Arnold. He's run is this random dude. You don't even know who he is. He's running out because he thinks he missed the trash truck. So he's running out to his down his driveway to uh to with his trash and it's Bill Duke and one of the other guys are on uh, the back of the trash truck they're backing up to his driveway and he's like oh I was afraid you'd miss me and then they go don't worry we won't and then they riddle him with bullets <laughs> it's like right there all right and then of course of course in this little suburban cul-de-sac they hop they just throw their guns in the back of the trash truck hop back on like nothing happened and drive away like yeah. no one in that's like that that town that cul-de-sac gonna be like wait. It's not trash day. Those were bullets. <laughs> and that's definitely not our trash truck. <laughs> Listen, apparently this takes place in the version of Southie from uh, Boondock Saints. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, um, uh, yeah, Bill Duke also starts off with when he goes to the car dealership and he's like, he gets in the car and he's like, you know what I like best? The price. And he just drives it out the window. <laughs> you know, he just steals it. And we're we're getting two killer action movie one-liners before the actual they are like the actual first lines of the movie and it just tells you right there what you're getting in for let off some steam bennett let off some steam bennett yeah we we're not hiding anything there is there is no we're not trying to say hey this is high art here this is going to be some fun one-liner cock rock action explosion explosion one-liner fight scene explosion one-liner yeah that's commando that's all it is and then the next thing we see when we're introduced to our hero he is carrying the largest log a human being has ever carried (laughs) and he's just walking casually with it on his one shoulder like it's a fucking (laughs) boombox. now my so the mall fight scene Two things happen in the mall fight scene that I absolutely love. One, you see him get swarmed by cops, and then everyone who's swarming him flies backwards as Arnold just flexes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and two, he's like, he just, the guy runs for the, uh, runs for a telephone to call, and he like shoots at Arnold, and then Arnold breaks the glass and starts shooting 
faking it and like just flips the phone booth over as if the guy doesn't have a gun. Like the guy forgot he had a gun because he's like, this motherfucker is just going to throw this phone booth. For one, that the guy you're talking about, Mike, is David Patrick Kelly. He is T-Bird in the crow. (laughs) He is also from... to play <laughs> so glad I had bottles I could do that <laughs> I probably put it way too close to the mic so I, I, I apologize if I burst anybody's earphones but actually I, I don't think they, ended up, being, they ended up coming in like really quiet because Either of way. how close they were yeah, whatever you got. But yeah, it's David Patrick Kelly because we got some returning people from this from previous episodes we talked about. David Patrick Kelly from The Crow, um, Warriors, we briefly mentioned him. We'll talk about him again uh, later. I think we have a cult classics uh, theme coming up. I think we're going to talk about the Warriors in. Vernon Wells as Bennett. He was also in Mad Max. He's in Road Warrior. Um, we got Bill Duke, obviously, from Predator. And then we have Dan Hedaya, who we have also talked about in Clueless. And he is also in Adam's Family, which frequently comes up. <laughs> but it is, it, this movie is so fucking good. You even get the little random ass characters have some great lines. Like in the mall scene, before everything goes loose, we had the one, the black guy security guard. He's tall. He's trying to, he's hitting on the girls and he gets the radio call about Schwarzenegger and he looks at the girls. He goes, want to see me kick some ass? <laughs> and then he goes over and he's like, looking at Schwarzenegger. He's reading it over and he goes, he is one gigantic motherfucker. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> and just the way he delivers that line, I was like, this dude knew what movie he was in. The director knew what movie he was doing and he kept it in there because it's the perfect line <laughs> for this guy it is absolutely perfect <laughs> that's yeah there, this movie like even like oh don't bother my friend he's dead tired like how quick that happens he just like punches the motherfucker grabs him snaps his neck puts him back down puts like a blanket over him in his head and moves on he does it he does it all without disturbing the people in the row in front of him yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but then also in that mall scene, we got to back up because um, David Patrick Kelly has um, one of the, it's it's just after that, the chase scene, they grab him. It's right before the remember Sully when I promised I'd go you last, I lied. It's the, he says, he's uh, David Patrick Kelly goes, kiss my ass. Arnold's like, I can't hear you. And he says, then I'll say it a little louder. Get fucked. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's such a great, it's such a great, like, oh, I'm sorry. Get fucked. <laughs> Did you not hear Kiss My Ass? Well, there you go. But one of my favorite parts of this movie, and it's, it's, there are the one-liners. There is Ray Don Chong's um, one-line, her little comment, like meta commentary on the action scenes in the hotel fight. She's even like, I can't take this macho bullshit. These guys eat too much red meat, all that. Then there is my favorite couple of this movie. And that is the couple that are fucking in the other hotel room from of the course. fight. How did I know that was going to be? <laughs> now mike do you know why it's my favorite couple in this movie i i was gonna assume a ross creep moment but <laughs> well yeah i mean it's, it's gratuitous tna which is great for 80s action and speaking of if you've been paying attention to our youtube series of you better take a look at this or whatever watch this or i'll kill you whatever we're calling it i'm gonna make mike i'm having mike watch hard ticket to hawaii which is the king of gratuitous tna now 
in this movie though there is that couple that when arnold and bill come flying through the wall the sheet gets thrown off of them and the way they're positioned is the guy is on his elbows and he's on his knees and his elbows and the girl is positioned behind him she is not wearing a strap on which she definitely would be if this was a modern movie since it's the 80s that wasn't allowed you know we couldn't intimate we couldn't intimate that but i like to think that they burst in on this guy who is either paid a hooker or something to peg him and you know the worst possible thing that he could even think of because this is like his first time doing this he's like finally got the balls to pay he's like you know what i'm gonna go through this i'm gonna figure out what i like i'm gonna do this and he's he's good he's having fun and then all of a sudden these two maniacs come flying through his wall beating the shit out of each other and he's scared off forever and the only thing he'll ever have is missionary sex for the rest of his life (laughs) they just cause this guy to be sexually repressed forever it cracks me up it's like the one thing he's saying is like the one time i wanted to do something that would make me happy and he got these two guys to murder each other in front of me (laughs) i'm going back to my family i'm gonna love them forever and never have sex again (laughs) i also love the uh the car chase scene where he's like, I let him go. And she's like, well, we don't have a car now. And he just casually flips the car over. He's like, now we do. Yeah, because a Porsche is this is like just weighs the same as like some dumbbells, essentially. And but that's the thing, Arnold, this was peak bodybuilder return Arnold. Like he had just returned from winning again another Mr. Olympia or whatever. And he was full on bodybuilder shape so like the director thought that he could do some things that he physically couldn't because you know he's still a human being yeah like he thought that he could just hold david patrick kelly upside down off of a cliff without getting tired (laughs) you know he's a fucking robot or something (laughs) now david patrick kelly we all suspected is actually a germanic demigod (laughs) Right, I was saying, David Patrick Kelly, not a large man. In fact, a very tiny man. But Arnold, on the other hand, would be holding a dead weight of like 106 pounds straight out in front of him. You know, I'm I'm glad that Arnold wasn't like, you know what? I can do it. And then we never have David Patrick Kelly in the crow because he dies filming Commando. (laughs) But so what they did was they took a crane and they hooked wires up to him so he could at least, you know, get some support and some like spotting on that thing. (laughs) But I was like, I was like, really? You thought Arnold Schwarzenegger just be able to hold a guy, a full grown human man, (laughs) out straight armed over a cliff. And then deliver lines without showing that he is physically exerted right exactly yeah and he's got to do it casually so he's got to be able to talk and deliver lines all that shit but shortly and then of course shortly after that arnold gets arrested um and then radon chong has to break him out of his um of his police carrier and i do like the gag that she there they the cops think that she's hitting on him and all that and then they drive away and she pulls out the rocket launcher and she yeah. shoots it the wrong way first. I was like, that's a good line. And then later he's like, how'd you know how to do that? Use the rocket launcher. She's like, well, I read the instructions. It's like, well, you read them wrong the first time then, <laughs> you know, because it went backwards, bitch. <laughs> but of first course, then we also- that might be the first instance of a movie character reading the directions to do something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially with a weapon. Yeah. But, um, and then of course we do get a very brief cameo. By a certain amazing, no longer with us actor. Mike, did you catch him? No. Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton is in this movie. 
He is a brief shot in his movie. He's the, we lost him, sir. <laughs> he's that guy. <laughs> he's like the, uh, the military officer, whatever. But I think he's a Navy officer because it's when he goes off to, um, finish the job. <laughs> and, um, I love the actual plan of this movie. So they're like taking out all the guys that were in Arnold's like troop, except for the his one unit. That yeah. His unit. Yeah. Except for the one that turned against them. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, Arnold, but, you know, sent him home for massacring people. Yeah, because Bennett was a bit, he enjoyed killing people a bit too much <laughs> in this special murder unit. But, and then they're like, all right, we're not going to kill you, but you're going to go to that country and get my boss back in charge of it. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, and, and of course, we haven't even mentioned her. The reason they get Arnold to do this is because they take his, they kidnap his daughter and take her hostage, played by Alyssa Milano. And there is a great, it's, it's one of the greatest shots when he finally does kill everyone in South America. He gets her back and he's just kind of holding her. And she's like, just kind of like clearly being little Alyssa Milano on this mountain of a man next to her. She's just like barely touching Arnold. And he's just walking like with her, like a little parrot on his shoulder, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's a father and daughter right here. <laughs> This is parenting goals if I've ever seen it. But, and then, of course, there is, and it's, the funny part is there's two funny things about Bennett, uh, Vernon Wallace's character. One, his outfits were made for a much larger man because I forget who it was supposed to be, uh, or much smaller man. So I forget who it was supposed to be, but that person backed out and Vernon Wells was like, stepped in and did it, but they didn't alter his costume. So that's why his chain mail and everything is so tight on him because it was for another much smaller guy. And then I love the like homoerotic subtext between Bennett and John Matrix. Okay. A John Matrix, one of the best action hero names ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then (laughs) the amount of times that like when I was actually reading, like looking at like the synopsis and everything, like watching the movie, when they were switching between Matrix and Marxist and Matrix and Marxist, my yeah. dyslexic brain's like, well, I don't actually have dyslexia, but I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, are we talking about someone who follows Marxism or are we talking about the star of our movie? Who knows? <laughs> we'll find out at the end. But, um, but yeah, so it's like, and like the homoerotic subtext between those two, because you can tell that Vernon Wells is absolutely playing Bennett like he's in love with John. And it's it's so funny because everyone in the 80s was like, yeah, John Matrix, kicker of ass, most testosterone fueled man, red meat eating human man ever. Oh, wait, the villain might be in love with him. Let's ignore that. We don't, we don't do that. <laughs> no, no, no. Forget all that. <laughs> It's like, that's definitely there. <laughs> but, and of course, there is the greatest ending line ever. Did you leave anything for us? Just bodies. Yeah. <laughs> Which, he kills at least 700 people. <laughs> Which I think, so, since we've talked about Arnold and the boys, the boys has a spinoff show coming up where, Patrick Schwarzenegger is going to be one of the main characters. Is he in, like, The Boys? No. No, I think this is, like, a comic that takes place in the same universe. Okay. But I don't think it's going to involve any of the characters from The Boys. I was going to say, because I know the Herogasm episode is based off of, like, 
a side series, like a little mini series of the original comic. Like the Hero Gasms was like a brief, like five or six issue series or something like that that they yeah. turned into one episode for the show. Yeah, because they couldn't have five episodes of explicit superhero sex. Well, they could have. <laughs> I just don't know how much it would have worked. <laughs> yeah, they could have. I don't know how well it would have done with, from a storytelling perspective. Right, yeah, it would it would have gotten weird at some point. <laughs> Is Amazon Prime just posting porn now? Yeah, it's like, what's going on here? <laughs> Something's going what are you on doing, over Seth? there. What's going on, Seth? Right, Jeff. Jeff Bezos, do you know about this? And Bezos is just like, oh, yeah. Oh, I know about it. <laughs> I mean, like him and Seth Rogen high five off screen. Yeah, right. Say like, yes. <laughs> But um, for those who don't know, Seth Rogen is one of the showrunners and writers for the boys. Yeah, but um, yeah, that that would be funny. Like Seth, Seth Rogen and Jeff Bezos are just meeting. It's like, what should we do for next season of the Boys? Hardcore sex, seven episodes. Okay, <laughs> let's just go. <laughs> should we make it just one episode? Now, nah, fuck it, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Carl Urban walks in. It's like, money. we can do this, right? Carl Urban walks in. It's like, guys, I think we should just do one episode. You think? Yeah, I think it would be better. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I guess you're the star. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Commando. It's just like it oh, is good. 80s action. It's 80s action. Like that when you point when you look at a list of things and you go, what's 80s action? Commando should be the first thing that comes up. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And he kills 74 people. In this movie, yeah. that is the body count according to the internet. Seventy-four people in this movie. RoboCop kills twenty-eight. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's God, and it's 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 the epitome of Arnold one-liner action, mindless testosterone-fueled action, and it's just awesome. And the best part is the best part is there is the only gratuitous TNA is basically a gag. <laughs> it's just a joke. You know, it's the couple having sex in the other room from the fight. Radon Chong isn't forced to get naked. She's not forced to do anything like terrible. David Patrick Kelly hitting on her and calling her a whore when she says no. That's the 80s, though. That's what an asshole in the 80s would have yeah. said. And at least he doesn't rape her. You know, she's not like she's not at least attempted rape. None of that happens. She has her own agency, essentially, but she just becomes a sidekick, you know, but yeah. she's at least not even a love interest, which is crazy, too, you know, but that's the thing with Ar a lot of Arnold's movies. I'm trying to think he doesn't really there isn't really like the stereotypical hostage becomes the love interest stories, you know, he doesn't really have that. He just has like he's the hero either has a family or is just a single dude. And he's got to protect some people. Even in Predator, he protects, you know, um, uh, I can't even think of her name. Uh, the, the, the South American girl that comes with them. Yeah. Uh, even in like True Lies, he's got a family. You know, Tia Carrera's there, but she's the bad guy. You know, there, there's nothing weird going on. There's in Terminator. Obviously, he's a robot and that's, that doesn't count. But like, yeah, Conan's the one kind of. Conan probably is the only one where it's like, this is a there is a sex scene and a love story kind of thing going on here, but Red Heat, there's nothing like that. There's there it's it's that's not like his thing. Whereas <laughs> Terminator whereas like, and Dark Fate, except they don't go. It's not a sexual relationship. 
Yeah, it's actually a plot point in that movie that they do not have sex, you know, and all yeah. that. But yeah, they're like that's just not his thing. But like it very well, it could have been, you know, it very well could have been. And no, he's more into maids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it couldn't be his. It had to be somebody that was an extramarital affair, you know. But uh, even like Maria Conchita Alonso when she's in Total Recall and um um and not Total Recall and um Running Man. When she's yeah. in Running Man, and it's even that it's there's no there's no sparks between them. There there's there's no love story there, and it's it's funny because he basically just focused on like bullets and bodies. You know, that's yeah, all it was. Recall, it's more like we don't exactly know what's going on with him and his quote and again, unquote that's wife. Paul, yeah, that's mostly Paul Verhoeven and Sharon Stone being his wife again, quote unquote wife yeah. in that. But it's like it. It's weird because Stallone pulls that shit all the time. Van Damme had that shit, but basically that could only be Van Damme movies. You know, Seagal never had it because no one could ever be physically attracted to Steven Seagal. <laughs> it just couldn't happen. <laughs> Whereas like Arnold Schwarzenegger, on the other hand, at the time was like, even dudes were like, that's, that's the guy I want to be. You know, <laughs> It's like, yeah. there is a certain amount of unstated sexual attraction between guys in the eighties and wanting to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, but it's it's so funny to see this movie, see Commando, and have it just be balls out, crazy action, and that's all it is. And it's it's really just refreshing and sad at the same time because it's a great callback to an era where action could be literally anything and could be completely insane, and no one cared. It just it would make money. Whereas nowadays, people would be calling it out, like, "Oh, it's mindless action. There's just something. There's no point to it. There's no story." It's like, well, yeah. That's the point. <laughs> you know, even the Stop Fast and the Furious for a story and my explosions. Right, the Fast and the Furious movie has a story, but who gives a fuck? You know, they're sending people to space for in cars. You know, who gives a shit? <laughs> the fact that a good action movie doesn't have a story is probably the best part about a good action movie. It's the fact yeah, that it's just the action. <laughs> And then, like, when they try to go too hard with the story, like, when you get to, like, Fate of the Furious or Fast 9 or whatever, and you have long-lost brothers and stuff, that's when you're like, stop tainting my action. Yeah, I mean, then you can look at the Mission Impossible series. Like, Ethan Hunt is the, mm-hmm. con- he's and his little crew is, like, the consistent, quote-unquote, story through that. But they're facing new threats of sorts you know there's a different twist on the stories but it's it's all about the action in those movies you know you're focusing on that we're not trying to come up with lore or like like the underworld movies we're not trying to compound lore on top of our bullets you know and it's just so refreshing to see the like back in an era where that meant mindless action was always like just mindless action whereas like with robocop it was kind of like the satire was there, so like it was there if you wanted to think too. Like yeah, you could also, a, you also so had like a little something there. Actually, like when you want to go with satire, but I would, I think the satire is more along the lines with like the futuristic, dystopia, sci-fi aspects rather than the action aspects of that movie. Right. Yeah, I mean, so it, there is other stuff there for the people that want to try to think, but with an action movie, and this is why I love them. You shouldn't be thinking. You should just be like, like, yeah. Like, I thought this trio was perfect because they're all very different kinds of action movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, and that was the 80s, but we do have to talk about the 90s next. So before we get into that, Mike, though, where can people find us on the internet? All right. So 
You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Happy Hour Films Podcast. Uh, you want to talk to me, go to Instagram. want to talk to Ross, go to Facebook. Uh, give us a like, give us a follow. Uh, go check out our YouTube channel. We have been posting two videos a week for the last four weeks. Three, four. Something like that. Yeah. Um, like that. So we're trying to get more and more content out there. We want to start doing tier lists and stuff. So you want to go check out some you want more content from our us idiots for some reason go go check out the videos because like ross emotionally breaks me one week <laughs> yeah the movie society if anyone's ever seen society mike watched it and he is never gonna be the same <laughs> and i am forcing ross to watch anime so like <laughs> yeah i'm waiting for the other shoe to drop with that because i have enjoyed the two you've had sent me so far i'm waiting for the one where i get it i'm just like trying to find a rafter in my house to swing from <laughs> <laughs> no i have ideas ross oh, i'm sure ideas. you do yeah and you can find us on spotify at apple Podcasts, and just about anywhere else you get your podcast from thanks anchor we're on like 12 different i we're on like 87 different podcast streaming things yeah, we are on we're on 74 different streaming services one for every person normal kills in commando but um <laughs> Yeah, if so, but also with our YouTube channel, if you're expecting professional production values, go to hell. We're not giving you them. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Come happening. On, we, I, if you listen to our podcast, you know we like don't really cut anything. We nope. we go yeah, you're getting, raw with our editing. So yeah, you're the only thing we cut about the from our from these episodes is the beginning when we're just bullshitting before we jump yeah. in. You know, but yeah, other than that, YouTube's gonna be the same way. I'm gonna try to make my shit as fast as easy as possible for mike to edit and if i if i'm saying in a video mike's gonna put something that pops up here next to me and nothing happens fuck you that's fine who cares yeah this week because i was going on a trip and my computer was fighting me when i was editing so you know what? fuck you <laughs> yeah so if you wanted to see psycho jenny from devil man cry baby google who cares <laughs> yeah. we're not here to spoon feed you you go right. do your own research you have your own internet you can look it up but uh anyway so when you're on your own internet and you're listening to our episode next week, uh, we will be talking about the 90s, the 90s action movies. Now, here we go. Here, here's some good ones. I want everyone to strap on for this one. Time Cop, Under Siege, and The Fugitive. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, now, yeah. the, I, I love The Fugitive. I know people are going to be like, but The Fugitive is not an action movie. But fuck you, it's not. You tell me that that train scene isn't legendary? Kiss my ass. <laughs> The one-armed man fight scenes kiss my ass. It's an action movie. It's amazing. Time Cop, probably a little bit better because it is Time Cop. <laughs> but, and then again, we, of course, we haven't talked about Steven Seagal yet. So we did have to do Under Siege. And because he was kind of, it was him and Van Damme in the 90s. They're, they're the ones that were kind of battling it out for who could be the most C-list of the action stars. <laughs> but that's what we're talking about. Time Cop, Under Siege, The Fugitive. We'll be doing that next. Mike will be watching um, Hard Ticket to Hawaii for uh, YouTube this week. And I will be anxiously awaiting his uh, his response to that video. I have a good choice for Ross for next week, and I have specific instructions for his response next oh, week. Oh, dear. I can't wait. All right. So until that time, though, I have been Ross Pick. I've been Mike McWiggin. And we'll see you guys next time. So long.